On a scale of one to ten, Aaron, how environmentally friendly would you say you are? Good question. Um, you can include minus numbers too, by the way, if you, if you want. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'm probably a solid five. Like, I don't think I... I think I try sometimes, but I, I just forget to. And, like, obviously that's not cool, but that's the honest answer. <laughs> do you reduce, reuse, and recycle? I do recycle. Um, I try and... I do, tr- I do try and, like, not buy fast fashion and stuff like that. And... That, like yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 I can I, tell I, you I, I one do, way. I cycle everywhere. I I just yeah. I cycle everywhere. So. Although not at the moment though, you're bike free. Well, I'm bike free like since last week, but like I'll be back on I'll be back on two wheels in no time. I did recently drink some carbon negative beer. I also drank some carbon negative beer. So I mean, maybe I'm greener than I think. <laughs> doing my yeah, doing my bit pint by pint. Lost Lager, for anybody who's not aware, Carbon Negative Beer, you know, get in touch with us, lads. Yep. We'll gladly do a review of Lost Lager from Brewdog. We will literally drink a pint every podcast if you want, just to be green as we can. But, I'm um, open to that. I don't know, it was pre- pretty good beer, to be fair. It was pretty good beer, yeah. actually. So No, 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 it was decent. It was decent. It makes me want to actually say, like, so Carbon Negative, exactly, is just for anyone who doesn't know what that means, it's basically they get rid of more carbon than they produce in making the beer. It's not some sort of thing that, you know, by drinking the beer, it reduces carbon in the air. It's it's kind of like yeah. the process is a, is loss-leading in terms of carbon. Exactly, yeah, which is all around good for the environment, I guess, but um, one might argue not good for taste of the beer. Maybe. I, I, I thought. No, that, I'm joking. I thought I'm it was joking. tasty it was, beer. It was a... It was a it was very crisp, delicious beer. It actually was really crisp. We're not here mm. to talk about, I swear <laughs> we were paid for this. We're not here to talk about that lager, but it was actually very crisp and refreshing. Yeah. Maybe I've been feeling refreshed by being, um, you know, a bit greener in that moment. Mm, indeed. So the reason why we're talking about carbon negative and carbon neutral and carbon footprint, of course, because the COP26 conference has been going on up in Glasgow for the last couple of weeks and everybody and anybody who's got an opinion or is a stakeholder or, or an opinion maker and of course that includes sports sports organizations sports people are all getting um, getting a quote in about what they're doing for the environment and of course you know fifa are doing their bit as well uh, they've signed up to the un the the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. Yeah. So they want to reduce football's greenhouse gas emissions by 50% uh, by 2040. A bit optimistic from FIFA, considering, you know, they've increased the size of the World Cup now, the 48 teams. Yeah, well... Arsene, Arsene Wenger, if he wants to have his own way, will have a World Cup every two weeks, you know? Yeah, um, well, there have been voices from within the UN and from within other you know, kind of green communities that have commented on um, FIFA's kind of tokenism in the sense of like, yeah, we'll join up to this thing, but everything we do next kind of points towards a larger carbon footprint, not a smaller one. Like, and what they're doing increasing, like, is it, was it the World Cup to 48 teams? Yeah, 48 teams from 2024. And they want to do it every two years. Like, I mean, there is no, the, t- the technology uh, for transport isn't moving quick enough 
to make that a viable green move. Like it's it's still loads and loads of planes burning fossil fuels going everywhere. There's yeah. there's there's no way of dealing with that. Also, the well, the next World Cup might be highly concentrated because it's in Qatar, which is quite a small area. Yeah. But the the previous World Cup was in Russia, which is one of Europe's biggest countries. In fact, I think Europe's biggest country. And then the next World Cup, 2024, is across three different countries. Canada, America, and Mexico, all three massive countries. Yeah. So you can imagine the amount of commuting that will be done across those three nations. But can you imagine all the Ferraris in Qatar? Those things... Very very true. There's going to be just loads of Ferraris everywhere. Like, And those things, I, I hear they're kind of a bit of a fuel guzzler. I wouldn't know. I mean, I, I used, used to own one, but it was only a small miniature shaped oh, yeah, Ferrari. Yeah, yeah, and it did, yeah. wasn't really that um, high on fuel Your consumption. Your scale electric um, Ferrari, was it? No. Do you remember when you, back in the day, you used to, actually, maybe you can still buy them. The model you cars. You used to be able to buy model cars, and yeah. they were, you know, for anybody who can't see, obviously you can't because it's a podcast. It was <laughs> about three, three inches in size. And it was a replica. Used to get them on a boat because I remember in the family holidays when, we were, when I was younger, we used to get the boat over to Wales to and they used Hollyhead. to sell cars. And yeah, they used on the the Stena line um, or Irish ferries. Other uh, ferry companies are available. You used to be able to buy them in the gift shop. Used to look forward to it every year. Get myself a nice little Ferrari F forty F fifty. Probably still at home somewhere in a big bag in the attic, I'd say. If you're listening, ferry providers, Colin here is uh, regaling us with a lovely childhood story and would like the model cars to be returned to the gift shop on the ferry. <laughs> exactly. A generation is missing out on the joy and the frivolity of having a little tip over the, over the water and getting a, a Ferrari. We all should have a Ferrari. We all should have a Ferrari Actually, one way maybe or we shouldn't. We're talking about <laughs> reducing <laughs> carbon footprints here. Maybe we all... We should all have a Tesla. Yes, exactly. Doesn't sound as good. No, no, it doesn't. But, um, yeah, kind of contrary to FIFA, I mean, other sporting organisations and other footballing uh, sporting organisations have also signed up to the same charter, yeah. the same UN charter. But it wouldn't uh, be UAF. like FIFA to make an empty promise or to say something and then do the opposite or, you know, to, to have anything untoward, would it? Whatever do you mean? Well, oh. you, you know, you know FIFA. <laughs> FIFA might be responsible for some undue economic benefits. They, they sure are. Yeah. They sure yeah. are. But uh, UEFA, another organization who signed up to the treaty, um, kind of contrary to what the, the, the treaty stands for, they increased the size of the Champions League from next season, which um, will result in twice as many games. And of course, they just implemented the new Europa Conference League, which has resulted in this season 20% increase in football games. And, you know, it's nice that smaller nations get to be included in a, a European competition, but the bigger teams don't necessarily take it that, um, that uh, important, uh, or they don't think it's that important of a competition. So I would question... Um, whether it was more of a monetary thing for UEFA to earn a bit more money, you know, because let's be honest, who wants to watch Spurs play uh, the champions of Kazakhstan? Yeah. Well, listen, like, I mean, you say they don't care. Maybe, you know, Antonio Conte lifting the first ever Europa Conference League Cup 
you know, I listen. I, I I couldn't give two facts about the Europa Conference League, but um, and I'm completely with you on the, the like even like I had another reason for this, like, and then a selfish one. I think that you know I'd be kind of on the Jurgen Klopp end of thinking where. I think that there there are too many games for players to play now and like you know it is a thing of like burning out careers too early and it's all just driven by greed like I mean I had no problem with, this is this is getting off topic a little bit but we said this before that the new Swiss model of the Champions League I had no problem with the way the Champions League was I don't think yeah. I, I I haven't spoken to a football fan who did like you know people are saying that this has been coming and you know we we needed to change it and I was like I don't think we did I, I, I love the Champions League. Always have the way it works, perfect for me. But um, I mean that's obviously fine for me. My club is in it now every year. But I mean the one thing, the one thing the I is. will say is about this new extended Champions League model is that it's a three or a four year trial, and they did do something similar back in the early two thousands, where they extended the Champions League to two group stages which resulted in twice as many games and that lasted for three or four seasons and then they decided well actually we prefer the previous model so they did go back to a previous model so uh, I'm assuming they earned a ton more money with the extended Champions League format back in the early 2000s and you know they obviously lost a bit of money when they went backwards so I'm hoping that in three or four years time when they see the Swiss models being a bit of a disaster that they will return to the Champions League as we know currently, because I, mean, I think at the moment the format's pretty much perfect. So yeah, yeah, and like like what we're what we're talking about as well is there, we definitely don't need to be increasing, um, you know, the carbon footprint of anything in the world at the minute. Like there's every everything, and I'm and I'm sure football is not the largest uh, contributor, obviously, to you know uh, emissions, but. Every, it's not, but yeah, but every not. organization, every huge thing needs to look at what it does and reduce that. Like, and obviously, communities and countries and everything need to do that too. But we're a football podcast, Colin, so we have to talk about what football's doing about this. Exactly, you know. But I, it is a point that you make, and I, I do uh, agree with you that they're probably not the largest emitter or uh, organization or body responsible for emissions, but such a popular sport and so many people follow it that it's good that they should be a, a leader in all things uh you know um green yeah well like they they, they 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 give an example like you know children and adults pay attention to what their clubs do and like i mean clubs know this this is why they spend so much on marketing and so much on their like we, we've just been talking about DNA and culture of clubs and they know that they can influence their fans in more ways than just going to the game like they, they they that's why sponsors come with clubs because they know people might actually buy you know that brand of water just because it's on a liverpool jersey or just because it's on a man united jersey or on a chelsea jersey like so mm. obviously as you know the original influencers football clubs should you know lead by example and show how you know everyone can treat it like i mean think about the amount of fans that even show about a game like if 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 in stadiums and if in um their their behavior they can show like 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 this is good behavior like you know putting bottles here putting food there putting wrappers there you know or you know making sure that their energy that 
does the flood lamps is like you know all from renewable sources or anything like that and advertising that and letting people in the public know like who that that'll make an example to like if this if there's a kid going to a game and you know they're hearing that at school they're hearing that you know on TV and next thing they're hearing it at their at their local football club it's gonna stick this attitude to be a bit more sustainable with what you do hmm. well let's talk about then what happens at a football game because we've both been to football games you know you you go to a pub beforehand you have a drink and then when you get to the stadium you've got an awful craving for a bit of food yep so one of the things a uh, football club could implement is a, a change in the food that they provide at football stadiums. So, you know, I, I like to uh, peruse the, the BBC Sport website every, every so often. And I just came across an article where they discussed about vegan diets at football clubs and <laughs> how it might be the way to go. So do you know which animal uh, has the biggest carbon footprint? The cow. Mm, indeed. Mm. But they're so tasty. <laughs> they're so they're so delicious. <laughs> like um, but yeah, according to a, a, a piece produced by Eat Lancet Commission, they reckon that uh, we're going to have to double our consumption of fruits, vegetables, um, in order for the planet to be healthy. So you know, they recommend that we cut out meat and dairy products from our diet to reduce our carbon footprint. They reckon you know if we reduced. Uh, beef consumption and dairy consumption it could cut carbon footprint by two thirds and That's um, it's a lot and they recommend that a vegan plant based option is the best way for the environment although if you are going to eat meat um, fish, chicken and pork seem to be okay you know because they're better than lamb or beef So is, is it just because of the actual volume of a cow like a cow is just a large animal a chicken is not that could be it. Um, you know, also it cows have been known. Yeah, cows have been known to emit other um, emit other gases as well. But yeah, well, mm. yeah, like I mean, I, I, I'm not actually, I'm not actually one for eating at a game, so I can't relate. But I know that people do. Um, and a, you know, beef burger, I can imagine being quite a nice thing to have. Mm. But maybe, lads, you know, if you have to, like, and I'm not sure all the match day um, attendees are of the vegan proclivity, but um, maybe maybe some popcorn chicken, you know, for a change, or a <laughs> couple of Granny Smiths. <laughs> could, you imagine, could you imagine rocking up to Tottenham Hotspur's brand new lovely stadium and going, there's a Granny Smith there, will you? <laughs> a couple of bananas and a Granny Smith, couple, please. A couple of bananas, uh, some trail mix. Could I get uh, two bananas, a Granny Smith, and three pints of Lost Lager, please? <laughs> God, they've gotten many a plug this morning, that Lost Lager. They really have. Lost Get in Lager. touch with us. <laughs> Get in touch. But, so, we, we mentioned Spurs there. There we won football club. We've actually introduced reusable cups, which I guess is good. Yeah. You know, um, I actually... Uh, Saw a really good video about Spurs as well, just on a bit of a segue. Have you seen how Spurs fill their beer in the, uh, the, the bars in the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? No. So they're all bottom-loading beers. So they have these cups with holes in the bottom of them, and you place it on top of the beer tap, and it fills from the bottom. And then it has a sensor in it, so it automatically stops when it gets to the top. 
And how do you prevent your beer from pouring out the bottom? So it has this little type of magnetic circle. So when you put the bo- the the glass onto the base, the magnet just kind of goes up, and then when it's once it's filled, the magnet goes back down through to the, bottom the beer. Of the glass. Hmm? Through the beer. Well, you know, I'm sure it's clean. A metallic tinge to that beer, you know. Mm. I mean, I think it's covered in plastic. <laughs> yeah, that's a very clever system. Um, mm. That's not green, but you know, as in, like, it's just it's just a cool gadget. But um, no, I know, yeah, but I mean, it, it means that the cups are reusable, which is good fun. Yeah, I I, I was having a look, and, and a lot of uh, Premier League clubs now do reusable cups, which mm. which is like I feel like that's one of the easiest things to do. But like, fair play to them at the same time, because like they it's just it's just should be done it's there's no reason not to do that now yeah well uh, one club has actually gone a little bit further is manchester city and they've introduced edible coffee cups <laughs> edible coffee i'm cups. just imagining half the crowd having like you know if they're going to an early kickoff having a nice espresso and then you just see them like you know i'm now that I know that, it won't do this to me, but I can imagine just watching Sky Sports one, one day and seeing some lad chomping on a coffee cup in the background and going, Jesus, like, I mean, the food must be really bad at the Etihad, like, you know, yeah. your man's eating coffee cups. Uh, they've also, they've gone, as we were talking about vegan food, they've implemented a, a load of vegan options as well. I can't imagine a load of Man City, maybe Man City fans are quite cultured these days, but... Um, from stories I've heard about my brother going to Man United Man City games back in the day uh, it certainly wasn't always the case but they've introduced vegan chili nachos pizzas and garden gourmet vegan sensational burgers you know well, that's a bit of a tongue twister I have to say I've had vegan cheese so I wouldn't be at, at least two of them I wouldn't be trying but um, like I mean if you think about it like the one of the most traditional things to have at a football game is a pie a vegetable pie would not be, it, it would be nice and it wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be such a, a culture shock to some of the, some of the lads and ladies who've been going to games for, for years, like to suddenly have to go and, falafel? What's a falafel? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but then again, like with the new, new hipstery fans, maybe, maybe all these things will actually just be normal at football games very soon. Yeah. Flat whites yeah, and falafels. Well, Get your flat whites and falafels. <laughs> Could you imagine sitting down, players? I, I reckon if you had a lovely, tasty hot coffee in your in your hands, you'd be less inclined to jump up and shout at the referee, wouldn't you? For sure. Yeah, but maybe maybe if, um, maybe if you're chewing on your cup, you might you might still <laughs> shout at. It. But uh, that's true. Yeah, th- you were talking about like you were talking about the reduction of um of cups, you know, and like that's brilliant. Um, and plastic is obviously like a big thing in in, mm. in waste management and 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 you know the carbon footprint of a club. And I saw something about Liverpool actually that they did over lockdown. They've they've started to do a system whereby now over the next couple of years they're going to remove instead of like taking out broken plastic seats and just buying new ones, they're recycling mm-hmm. their plastic seats. They're being remolded and being replaced. So you're basically putting the same plastic back where it was. So, which I always think is like really clever when anyone does this kind of stuff because, you know, plastic is like just a malleable, like it's a very useful thing and I don't think we're going to be able to remove it from the world, but why not just take plastic that already exists and either turn it into something new 
or reuse that same plastic. Like, I mean, if you break mm. a plastic chair, that's the beauty of it. You melt the plastic back down, put it back in the mold, True. and it's a new plastic chair again. You know, that's the beauty of the whole thing. So they're, I think they're going to do six and a half thousand seats each break in the season now for the next, until they've replaced all the seats. I don't know. I don't know if they, they couldn't find any clarity on whether they need to do that with the whole stadium yet, but any seats that they feel they need to replace, this is how they're going to replace them now is by basically melting and remolding. Well, they are, aren't they doing a massive extension to Anfield? They are, yeah. No, they're, they're, to they're increase doing, the size. Yeah, they're doing, um, I, don't, I, think the, I think there is another like 12,000 seats going in or something like that. Do you know what they should do if they're feeling extremely environmentally friendly? Is not what they do should that. do is <laughs> what they should do is they should go across the park, across Stanley Park, the Everton, who are vacating Ewood Park and take their blue seats if they're feeling particularly rec- uh, recycling inclined. Blue seats at Anfield. Yeah, it would it would you know would encourage a harmonious relationship between both sets of supporters too. No, we'd melt them and dye them. I think. No, I Melt think you just leave them as leave them as is. <laughs> it would actually be a neat little story to say. Look how look how big we are. We don't care. That's the yeah. they're, they're the blue seats there in the in the in the new stand. Yeah, because you know everything used to actually play at Anfield before Liverpool usurped it and took it as their own. Well, they always hate that story. Is the fact that like them vacating that space basically created Liverpool Football Club, and then so we all know how rest, that went. The rest is history. Yeah, yeah. Does do Man United yeah. do anything um, like unique or you know? Well, yeah, for we the talked about their nature know? reserve on previous podcasts. We've we've talked oh, about their Jesus, nature reserve this on nature previous reserve podcasts again. <laughs> yeah, listen, I know, you, I know you. Uh, you weren't you weren't um, very well. You poo pooed it when I discussed it the first time, but I was not plussed by the whole thing. I have to say, well, I, it's better than well. Liverpool are a good example. They've just moved to a new training facility. Uh, what eighteen months ago? Yeah, I doubt they've got a nature reserve on site. Oh, you you think so? They planted six hundred and fifty three new trees. They have one and a half kilometers of hedging laid. 6,000 shrubs and bushes have been planted. They've put bird boxes and hedgehog houses and they've done wildflower areas. So hedgehog you say they houses. did nothing. <laughs> Stick that in your n- little nature reserve. <laughs> Prob- that, that, that nature reserve is probably t- full of toxic waste. Well, speaking of Man United, they're actually the first <laughs> football club to uh, implement a carbon... Uh, renewable energy plan all the way back in 2008 you know when Liverpool were probably still burning uh, magazines and burning programs outside Anfield and um, you know burning tyres at the local tyre yard Listen you know Anfield has been powered by Jamie Carragher's phlegm since 2008 (laughs) (laughs) We are as green as it gets well, speaking of United, since they uh, in- implemented the new initiative back in 2008, the Carbon Reduction Programme, they've reduced their annual emissions in operations by 2,700 tonnes. That's fairly good, in fairness. You that know, and, 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 and like, as like, begrudgingly, they are like still one of the biggest, if not the biggest club in the world. Like, And we're talking about making an example. You know, it's great that a company, a company like United are doing that. <laughs> exactly um but there's actually so every year 
there is a, a table produced and it's about uh, the Premier League's sustainability rankings. Oh, yeah. And mm. So teams are, you know, it's a, it's a league table um, and teams are ranked depend, depending on their sustainability. Maximum of 21 points. Um, I guess there's no minimum. I guess it's just zero. Tell me who came last. So, um, okay, well, I'll tell you who came last with seven points. Aston Villa. Knew it. Mm. Knew it. It's all the so, hair gel they've had to buy in for Steven Gerrard. <laughs> that stuff is not good it's for just the environment. Been, it's been left over from Jack Grealish. <laughs> so this sustainability scheme, uh, it's determined by looking at a club's clean energy. So, you know, how they probably power the stadium, the club grounds, um, and then energy efficiency as well, kind of similar. How efficient is that energy that's produced? Whether they use sustainable transport or not on the way to games, um, which we know Manchester United do, unless they're getting a plane to Leicester. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, a reduction, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> a reduction of single-use plastic. So uh, thumbs up for Manchester City and their edible coffee cups. Mm. Um, also, how do they get rid of this waste? Some waste, manage, waste management is, uh, is included. Also, water efficiency, plant-based, low-carbon food, mm. which I guess is your vegan options. So uh, a lot of clubs bring that in. And also their communication and engagement on environmental issues, which we know Manchester United do a great job on. Sure. Yep. Yeah. And you also get a bonus point, I guess, just for being, you know, really cool. Um, so top of the table with 21 points, uh, which is not surprising because we already spoke about them, is Spurs. Wow. Yeah. Well, you see, it I suppose like the, when you move into a new state, like the stadium is such a big part of what you do that way. And I think that like a lot of clubs now who will move into a new stadium will kind of have that in mind. So from the ground up, they're thinking straight away, how can this be green? Like, you know? Mm. Well, yeah, and there was a really good example recently where uh, they played Chelsea in September and both sets of players arrived to the stadium and coaches provided by biofuel and they drank water from sustainable cartons rather than plastic bottles. Yeah, so that's go. actually one thing I see a lot still. I still see a lot of football players with plastic bottles of water. Like, And, and to me, it's just like one of the easiest things to... to you know, just as, just as a visual, like, you know, for people to see that, it's like, you know, come on, we all know that we should, like, everyone knows they shouldn't be drinking out of plastic bottles now. Like, that's why, like, I mean, every shop is selling, like, a re like, w it's such a thing now to see someone go around with their water bottle, like, and a lot of people have the metal ones or the aluminium ones now. Um, I just always think, why... Like, why is, you know, Paul Pogba or Harry Kane, well, maybe not Harry Kane now that you say it, but like, why are all these big players walking around with a bottle of Volvic in a, in a fucking like plastic bottle? But anyway, actually, it's interesting just when I bring up Volvic, you know, like club partnerships, like obviously there's lots of brands that clubs are partnered with now as well. And yep. um, when I'm talking about the examples, like I think it's important that the brands that they're, their sponsors and stuff like that and the club themselves um, work together and obviously like it's no harm for them to show everyone that they're working together on this like because I read we were, we were looking up obviously you looked up United I looked up Liverpool and we looked up other clubs and what they do and one of the things that Liverpool do is with um, SC Johnson who do Johnson and Johnson and that sort of thing they um, are trying to recycle 500,000 plastic bottles and 
they're bringing out like when they have they reached their goal for this, they're bringing out like a, the Mr. Muscle bottle will now be powered by Liverpool. So when people oh, wow. buy Mr. Muscle, <laughs> the bottle will be from Liverpool plastic. Oh, it's a very specific thing to say. We're going to make the Mister yeah. Muscle, you know, out of this. But anyway, I I kind of think it's it's pretty neat, like that they're decided this is what we're going to do with it. That might hurt sales of the Mister Muscle brand in certain areas. I imagine can't imagine too many Man United fans in Manchester wanting to buy a Mister Muscle bottle with they don't, Liverpool they can't branding touch that all Liverpool over. Plastic is it? Yeah, homes in Manchester are just going to go uncleaned now thanks to Mister Muscle. Well, you know, more fool them. <laughs> How green is more Mr. Muscle? Them. Actually, there is one point I want to take up with you, and it's on the point of Liverpool. And obviously, they're trying to offset their uh, their carbon emissions um, because of all the big six clubs. So you've got Man United, you've got Arsenal, both jerseys supplied by Adidas. You've got Manchester City, whose kit's supplied by Puma. And then you've got Spurs, and you've also got Chelsea and Liverpool, all three provided, uh, supplied by Nike. Of those big six clubs, you would imagine that they'd all be taking a stand and having you know, 100% recyclable home matchday kits, wouldn't you? You would. I know where you're going. You would. You would. You, <laughs> you would. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Yeah, go on. I mention this because apart from one club, which happens to be Liverpool, whose kit is only 75% recycled yeah. materials, what are they doing with the other 25%? No, I was looking into this, right? Like, and obviously they need to update their website because like, um, on, on Liverpool's website, it says their kits are made from 100% uh, recyclable materials. Now, they I, lied. You, you, well, yeah, no, this is true. Um, but I don't understand, like, not all three jerseys of the new jerseys are 75%. So I tried to look this up and I can't, I can't seem to figure it. It must be something to do with the color. Maybe when you use certain colors, it can't be certain material. I really don't know. But um, they are definitely part of, like, Nike's move. Like, Nike are doing this, like, move to green kind of thing where they want to just, like, none of their kits aren't recycled anymore. But uh, mm. if anyone knows, like I, I looked this up for a good while there. Um, when you first mentioned it to me, even before we said we were going to do uh, a podcast about like uh, football clubs' carbon emissions, and I couldn't seem to get to the bottom of why this kit is seventy five percent instead of, you know, the preferable one hundo. It's interesting you say that about the coloring because I actually went to source and sent. Liverpool an email and they they didn't get back to me in an email. They sent me a A4 folder full of paper with pictures of burning tires in it um, and programs being set alight. No, I joke. I joke. They didn't send that to me. But if you look through Nike's website, you can actually find the women's fit of the jersey. And surprise, surprise, the women's fit of the jersey is actually 100% recyclable. This the, the plot so thickens. <laughs> I really don't tickens. know what to make of it now. The plot thickens. Like what is going on? Like so. Listen, Nike, get in touch. You know, yeah. we'll sit down. We'll have a couple of last laggers together, and we'll figure out how to get the men's one up to up to one hundred percent. Don't know why I'm saying one hundred. We'll, we'll hammer today. it out. Yeah, we'll hammer it out. But um. 
I guess before we kind of rattle rattle up with the the podcast, I think I wanted to make a special mention of a football club in England uh, described by FIFA in 2017 as the greenest football club in the world. And? So have you heard of Forest Green Rovers? I have not. Mm. Uh, I think they're in League 2 at the moment. So uh, according to themselves, uh, they try to instill um, as many green um, protocols as possible. So they have solar panels at their stadium. They've got electric vehicle charging points. They've got a vegan menu. Um, and they also provide fans with um, information on how they can fight climate change at the game. That's pretty green. That's pretty green. Mm. I was, I was going to say, do they have like hemp shin pads or, you know, God, I don't know, hemp things? Well, actually, funny you mentioned that because their, uh, their brand new kit, um, which was released recently, so you can buy it in uh, two different makeups. So they trialed a kit which is partially made from coffee waste. Okay. And you can buy this season's kit, which is made from recycled coffee grounds, which is £90. Or you can buy a cheaper version, which is made of bamboo for £40. A bamboo jersey, like? A bamboo jersey. I'd love to like feel it, like, but um, yeah, listen, like, whatever works. Um, I, I wonder, did, did, did the coffee ground one, like, smell like coffee? Like, I... Did, did they do something to remove the smell? Because I'm not, I wouldn't be against it. Like, imagine you're running around, you get a nice waft of uh, the cafe aroma. And you're like, hey, yeah, it's pretty nice. It could be worse. Could be worse smells to smell on a football pitch. It'd probably perk you up. Like, yeah. I, if I even smell coffee, I feel more awake. That's true. That's true. Uh, so they've also they've gone a step further in terms of uh, the stadium. So they've got a. Their pitch is entirely um, it's sustainable. It's free from pesticides and weed killers. So it's good for, you know, the little creatures that roam around in the grass too. So, so they're constantly getting stuck with thistles and stung by nettles. They're like, but it's green! <laughs> uh, they also, when it comes to cutting the grass, they cut the grass with a GPS-directed solar-powered lawnmower. So there you go. They're really like more about like fair play to them, but um, I wonder how efficient in some of the you know some some of the nature of running a football club are some of these things. Like mm. I wonder how happy the groundskeeper is with this solar powered uh, clever lawnmower. Well, e- evidently, they don't have need for a groundskeeper if it's power powered by a solar powered lawnmower. Listen, if it works, sounds great. Yeah, they also capture the rainwater. Which they use on the which they use from the stadium to irrigate the pitch rather than using mains water. And yeah, I suppose did they get enough? They obviously get enough rain, so they must do. They must do. Um, also, all their food is one hundred percent vegan. Um, on match days, they serve an award-winning Q pie, which is a delicious plant-based burger. Apparently, I love I love a bean burger myself. Actually, I'm not vegan. Mm. I'm not vegetarian, but. Uh, I like, I like a good bean burger, you know, the odd time. And uh, also, obviously, their, their current stadium is not eco-friendly enough. So they have plans to build what they call Eco Park, which will be the greenest football stadium in the world. Um, and it will be made from entirely wood. 
um, and it will have a capacity of 5,000 and contain also the surrounding area will have 500 trees and 1.8 million kilometers of hedgerows planted all around it. So there you go. 1.8 million kilometers. Uh, 1.8 kilometers. 1.8 kilometers. I thought you were 1.8 million kilometers of hedgerows. <laughs> I was like, there, there they all are sitting in their rickety wooden stadium. And they're like, maybe we got the budget a little bit wrong. Like, you know, we probably could have put a bit more quid into the stadium instead of that 1.8 million kilometers of hedgerows. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit excessive, but if it works, <laughs> then it works. So a wooden stadium in a in a place that gets enough rain to irrigate the pitch um, might not be the best move, but, you know, fair play to them. It's just like, I'm imagining the rot would eventually set in in a place that has that kind of humidity. Well, like they've also, because of their um, their unique initiatives, they've attracted the likes of, um, uh, what's his name, the former Arsenal left-back, Spanish guy. Hector Bellerin? Hector Bellerin, yeah, so... He's not former, Hector he's Bellerin. still at Arsenal. No, he's gone, he's at Real Betis now. Oh, he is? Yeah. Ah, uh, bye Hector. We'll miss him. Um, but yeah, Hector is is a small has bought a small investment in the football club because he likes everything they stand for. So um, yeah, I mean, I would encourage people and other football clubs to go out there and look at Forest Green Rovers and maybe take one or two um, little pieces of or take one or two examples from what they're doing and try and implement it. Um, obviously, not Man United because they're doing a great job as it is anyway. So with um, oh, with their token hundred percent recycled T-shirts and. The likes. The, the little garden they have, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Look at our absolutely. garden. We've got a garden. <laughs> You've got, I'm, I'm quite impressed at the fact that Liverpool have got a hedgehog. Am, am I going to go as far to say a hedgehog sanctuary? Probably not. It's, 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 um, it's a house for battered hedgehogs who have <laughs> fallen on hard times. That's terrible. <laughs> well, like I mean, they, they they do get a terrible whack off a car every now and then. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. No, like um, yeah, like that 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 they do. A, a lot of places are doing that now, though. They're doing like the the bug hotels and the, and they're doing like um bird baths and things like that because supposedly like we're really impacting on their natural environments and their ability to actually do some of the things they do, like um. Some clubs around the world now are... That's why the wildflower things are coming in in Liverpool as well, is for the bees. There's not enough flowers now for bees, so there's an initiative mm. by not just football clubs, by a lot of businesses to uh, put, like, flower boxes and stuff a lot more around their their space. Like, you know, if they have balconies on, in, in, on their office buildings or anything, like, it's just like, please put flower boxes with wildflowers or if you have an atrium, wildflowers, you know? So... There's a lot of things that the whole world can be doing to make it all better. And and like some of them are like obviously somewhat inconvenient if you've operated a certain way for a long time. But a lot of them are quite passive and, and actually that they're not a huge effort to do. Like, I mean, it's not too much to ask um a business to plant a few flowers. Like, you know, it's not gonna be come out of their, their bottom line too much at all. And like Very the same true. with football clubs. And it's you know, we can call it token, but I mean it is in a way, but when they can do it to a scale that like, you know, you might want a whole housing estate to do that. And, you know, you might only get certain amounts of compliance in that a club is basically like a whole housing estate, like 
just deciding to suddenly put up a lot of wildflowers and and hedgehog hotels. <laughs> true, true. And I, for one, am looking forward to the day when we can all buy our coffee in edible coffee cups. So Listen, I'm dying to munch in a coffee cup. If they could make it honeycomb, I would be delighted. Well, see, then, I don't know, you get a slight tinge of honeycomb, very sweetness would I seep. The, the sweetness of honeycomb though. would seep into your coffee. I love honeycomb, though. I love honeycomb too, but I don't know if I would appreciate the kind of syrupy feeling then in my uh, my coffee. Fair enough. What a lovely mm. what a lovely note to finish up on there, huh? Yeah. So I'm off to source some edible coffee cups for my uh, my coffee cup. I'm not for my coffee supply. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll speak to you very soon. We've been the linesman. Mm-hmm.